0: Hey everyone, what the fuck is going on? Hello, Ikthani, Ikthana here, the, the internet's busiest MMA joined by Tyler Ninja Blevins to, to answer some a bunch of questions from our patrons, <laughs> both looking bloated as fuck.
1: Yeah, we're fat as shit and we're going to, to answer some questions of people that's giving us money.
0: So, yeah. Uh, Oh, Okay, so this is, uh, to just explain the format, this is going to be a monthly thing with a rotating cast. It's not going to necessarily be me and Fenya all the time, but... It's rotating, but it's also always going to be me and Tony. Yeah, (laughs) it's also always going to be us because no one's fucking available to do anything. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, every month uh, our patrons are going to... We're going to make an announcement, and you're going to throw us a bunch of questions, preferably through the Discord. If you're not subbed uh, to the Discord, and if you're not still in the Discord, what the fuck are you doing Get into the Discord? It's very fun. Lots of uh, fun people in there with uh, lots of funny ideas and fun questions, and uh, lots of cool discussions going on in there. And uh, So we compiled a list of the most interesting questions that we received uh, from both uh, the actual Patreon in the comments, Although there was only one, I think, and there was a bunch in the, in the Discord. And uh, part of them we answered um, like partially in the Discord, gave a preliminary answer, and now we're going to like examine them in depth. Okay, so, Fenio, would you please uh, read the first question? Okay, so first question uh, Navigator is asking us. What does it
1: mean for a fighter to have a good process in MMA? What's the distinction between a process and a game
0: plan? Uh, do, do you want me to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, I have an answer of my own, yeah. but uh, I want to hear your thoughts as well. Okay, so I think uh, a process is what
1: is what you do with your skill set and your, and your ability to fight, and how do you put that together to win fights? And How do you use that to get the fight to where your your you have the best chances to win? And and I think that's different from a game plan because the game plan is just like a selection of tactics and how you use those tactics and technique to put on a on a winning performance. Uh, the process is like more intrinsic to the fighter. I would say it's more of a like a fighter can. F- can have a good game plan and still have like a bad process as a as a fighter on his own so if you if the game plan fails he doesn't have a process to to go through the fight uh in a in an optimal way obviously it's fighting you
0: can always win via landing some bullshit or or anything yeah but... it's it's like an interplay between these things like process is just what you do all with all the time it's like uh, basically what you are as a fighter it's like the skills that you have It's like, I think in an article I once wrote, uh, I said that a process is like um, a system of ideally complementary techniques that you use from fight to fight in order to win the fight. Yeah, exactly. uh, A a game plan is something that you uh, come up with uh, based on the opponent that you face and you kind of like look at your process and uh, kind of think, what's the best tools that I have in my toolbox that I can use for this specific opponent? And then you kind of figure it out from there. Yeah, the process
1: is like what do you default to do when with your skills and your process can be, you can be like very skilled in a lot of areas and do not have a good process or, or the contrary, like you might be like a very limited fighter by, but have a good process going on. And I think the, the game plan is something that it's like very fight specific, obviously. And it has to consider your process as a fighter when you're making a game plan. I think that's the, the idea when you're, you're going into a fight so for example uh having a good process as i said is taking the staking the fight uh, with your tools to where you're most likely to win like if you are a wrestler uh, having a good process means that you have like good entries for your takedowns you have a like connective tissue between striking and wrestling and once you're in the ground you also have the grappling the grappling skills to not get submitted do not get swept on the floor and and again <clears> like <throat> what you put together for a specifically one fight and and that's and how you're gonna guide your process during that fight yeah, in particular
0: it's kind of like you look at the guy you say you're a wrestler that's uh has uh, decent kickboxing uh good entries like such and such entries uh, to to the ground like for example you get your guy to the fence and then you throw like a uh, jab to the face and then uh, uh, right straight to the body and then you go jab to the face and then instead of uh, right straight you go to the legs that kind of stuff and then you look at an opponent to figure out oh uh, he's kind of good at uh, defending takedowns from such and such positions but also like in my toolbox I also have this other different takedowns and takedown and other different take, uh, takedown setup. so I'm probably going to preferably use that as opposed to my usual setup and that's kind of like what you that's kind of the game planning process like a very easy like simplistic stupid example
1: yeah if you if you want to like make like uh like a follow-up question on this topic i think it would be very interesting but i think uh, in a general sense we have the thing covered i would
0: say so Uh, the next question uh it's not really a question it's just kind of a nice comment so i decided to include (laughs) it joanna dangerfield says i don't really have a question i just wanted to say it's pretty cool seeing everything get revamped and the site getting overhauled and doing it while everyone is super busy and uh, tumen is fleeing a fucking war and that's even more impressive good job everyone thank you thank Thank you. you please please refrain refrain from making any more compliments for the foreseeable six months otherwise our heads (laughs) are going to grow to the size of a fucking balloon uh, like an airship and we're going to stop making everything altogether. because me and fenio are extremely unhealthy people that's very uh, base yeah yeah, that's based our entire process on how much of a piece of shit we are we think (laughs) that's yeah That that sums us. That sums both of us
1: very well, I would say. (laughs) Negative reinforcement is the way to go here. I mean, all the money is just only contributing for both of us, like being worse persons. Like
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. So in essence, like people who say that if you are born in a favela, then you're gonna be successful. They are correct. We are an example of that.
1: My process is getting money and being just like a way worse person every day, like that's that's my process as a fighter, and my game yeah, my game plan is getting all the money possible from our patrons.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that's uh, that's essentially it. Okay, so an actual question: Matt Wakefield asks, "How important is athleticism in MMA compared to other sport combat sports or whatever, <laughs> or whatever is actually included in the question?"
1: <laughs> I think. Uh, I, the, the interesting part of this question is that he's comparing it to other combat sports, not sports in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think uh MMA being like so diverse in skills, uh, it's it's like it it opens the mm-hmm. way for for more kind of athletes to be successful, but also uh gives more avenues to good athletes to be good in MMA without having like very deep uh skill sets. Uh I would say if we, it it, it also the all uh, depends on how we how we describe athleticism. Like it's usually yeah. understood understood in the sense of being like, Big, being like explosive, explosive powerful, fast, actually. powerful, strong. But also, mm-hmm. it, but also like we have to consider things like cardio and and coordination that are very important in MMA.
0: Um, no one really talks about coordination all that much because like for combat sports, it's like so many very awkward weird movements that you don't usually perform
1: and and uh, we see a a lot of the time yeah a lot of the time we see guys that that are very like obviously very powerful and fast but are not very coordinated like like i'm Uh... sure i'm sure you you may you you put derek bronson to do anything like Jumping or running, and and I'm sure he's a great athlete, like he's very powerful, (laughs) a very strong guy, despite not being here for the week class. But I wouldn't call him like exactly coordinated. (laughs) And I mean, he's not terrible, but there's clearly a difference in coordination between like Derek Bronson and Israel Adesanya, for example.
0: Yeah, and or like, um. I mean, I always—it's uh, a common talking point for me. I always point to Max Holloway as uh, as an example—an extremely Incredibly athletic
1: coordinated guy. Yeah,
0: yeah, who is like specific, uh, incredibly athletic, specific to the sport. Like, yeah, durability, uh, cardio, and coordination. Coordination is the m- most important bit. One of the most important bits of his game. Like, the guy can throw. Uh, a jab to the head a double jab to the head a triple jab to the head followed up by a body shot and then spin into a kick immediately like what the fuck Uh, is that (laughs) also also comes to mind like john Jones.
1: He's like a very Mm. good athlete for mma like Mm-hmm. Like some people say like, oh, Jones is not that fast. It's not, it's, he's actually like very good in all areas of classic like athleticism. But I think it's very surprising the, the, the proper reception that John Jones has. It's like he always knows what his body is doing. Even when he's like bullshitting like kicks that he clearly doesn't know how to do. <laughs> he, all, he he all, he always ends up in like a good position because he's so aware of his own body. And I think that's one thing that has allowed him to abuse like his Long reach despite uh, like despite not ever developing like a very nuanced jab but he's mm-hmm. still like very hard to get inside because he's very aware of of the dimensions of his of his body and how his body works also he's stupid strong and has like incredible levers and he knows very he knows how to use those very well too so yeah uh, Max Holloway mm-hmm. and John Jones, I would say, are two very good examples of uh, very good athletes that have like athleticism that is very specific for MMA, not in the yeah. not in the classical sense of like uh,
0: Joel Romero or Chad Mendes type of like ball of energy. Yeah, but uh, to compare to other combat sports, I think like the difference is that for MMA it's more broad. It's yeah, like, exactly. like you said in the beginning, like for boxing. Obviously, you need to be like a specific kind of boxer, you know, to be like, uh, in order to be a, a really specific type of athlete in order to be successful in boxing. Like, for example, if you don't have good cardio in boxing, then you shit. You, yeah. will, you, will, you will just suck.
1: O- unless you are like a KO machine, <clears throat> but those never like rise to the top except at heavyweight yeah. and shit. But... But yeah, for example, a guy like Jake Shields or Ben Askren would never like make it on boxing. They don't do not have mm-hmm. the, the athleticism that you need for that sport in a specific. But in MMA, like those guys like that are are like incredible cardio. They are actually very strong in static positions, despite how they look. And that's something that only comes to play in, in MMA. I mean, also in wrestling, but not in other sports. In like wrestling, the boxing, grappling, that kind of stuff. Boxing, yeah. yeah.
0: And, boxing and is all, kind of like yeah and boxing and is kind of like you know, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like being yeah, boxing is kind of like being able to do lots of mildly explosive motions over and over again while like pr- prancing around running around and uh, obviously grappling and wrestling is a, wrestling is obviously much more explosive than grappling but it's still like being able to just clamp down on someone just and get into it and like maintain that tension throughout constantly over and over again yeah
1: so one thing like... that that i always talk about is like how rule sets like more uh different combat sports and i think for example in kickboxing kickboxing is a sport that uh overvalues the very explosive athletes just because oh. you only have three rounds even like championship fights sometimes are five uh, rounds but it's still like only three minutes rounds
0: it's super
1: short way fights. more you gotta way more
0: kickboxing fights should be you five gotta rounds.
1: sprint you gotta sprint <laughs> in kickboxing because there's yeah. not there's not time for doing anything else like you cannot even mma is more flexible in that sense because of the longer rounds like some like or more like low-paced strikers that are more calculated have more more success in mma i feel overall than it happens in, kick- in kickboxing in kickboxing especially high level a lot of guys just go like balls to the wall taking turns going like
0: crazy at yeah each it's other. like fucking <laughs> like watch any takero fight, and you basically it's like non-stop explosions over and over again throughout the entire fight
1: yeah so i think the, <clears throat> the difference in mma is that you have like a, a a larger spectrum of kind of athletes that can be successful and i think that's what mm-hmm. makes the sport so interesting to me
0: yeah uh so <laughs> then you read the next question please okay so next question is by our patron but also our colleague <laughs> christian like why the fuck are you still paying us You're own fucking stuff you're, you're releasing content weekly <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to stop you, but, but also... <laughs> also, why? <be quiet. laughs> okay, so Christian says,
1: my question is how effective is it as a strategy to develop a very high-pitched scream to use when grappling to shatter your opponent's eardrum? Like, say you're in bottom half, and you just let out a deafening shriek directly into their ear. What would happen? Uh, I think that would be very effective, except that's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, mean, if I don't it, know if I don't know if we're talking MMA or street fighting. If you're I mean, talking, if, a, if, if you're talking if, street fighting, you might be into
0: something. <laughs> if you're in MMA and you're gonna do that, you're probably just gonna get punched. And uh, <laughs> in street fighting, if you do that, you're probably just gonna get stabbed or something. <laughs> that's, okay. that's the that's the main difference. That what would happen yeah. uh, in one sport?
1: You get a penalty and also punched in the face. Uh, maybe you get fined too. Because those pastors of the athletic commissions will take your money, whatever means but necessary. And... We, should,
0: we should come up with scream grappling. Like uh, grappling with everything else is the same, but also screams are allowed. And then we'll see. Let's unban <laughs> let's unban screams in MMA. That's,
1: okay. Let's make it a like,
0: thing. Hashtag the, the guy with the biggest lungs becomes ADCC champion. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, if it's a street <laughs> fight, you're getting stabbed. Uh, maybe the guy like will get be very mad because he, his ear hurts a lot. And he's going to get to his house and he's going to look at the, the knife uh, drenching your blood, obviously. And he's going to say, oh, also, that motherfucker, my m- my ear still hurts. So he's going to grab a gun and he's going to find you and he's going to kill you. That's my prediction.
0: I mean, in the world of BJJ, everything is possible, like especially gunfights. And also... Yeah. The example of the bottom half, actually, (laughs) I think the scream will be more effective from top position because your lungs will be free to expand and you can actually scream. And when you're a bottom, the other guy is like pressing down on you, so you can't. Yeah, especially actually. he's a fat bastard. He's a fat bastard,
1: you're
0: fucked, yeah. Okay, so the next question is like the question that fucking haunts my dreams to this day, like ever since the start of my fucking career. Trotsky Icepik asks, so statistics uh, statistics have become increasingly complex and prevalent across sports over the past several years, several decades, and as analysts, do you think there's potential in MMA or combat sports in general to have the depth of statistical analysis that's seen in basketball, baseball, etc.? Or is it just too chaotic by nature? Similarly, do you think there's much value in the MMA stats used today? Short answer: no. Long answer: no. <laughs> no. Uh, stats as they use today are not like uh, do not bear any like substantial weight on how fights should be evaluated at all. And actually, I kind of answered that question multiple times on many different episodes of Ten Uh Actually, let me look up the episodes so I can just uh, list them off so other people can listen to them. Okay,
1: well, Why do you look for? Uh, Why you look for that? Um, I think uh, there's a bit of value in statistics in MMA, but but once you get to the point to be able to use those. Those statistics is because you already have like a very good understanding of the sport already yeah it's like think, you already
0: have all the context I think, for those yeah statistics.
1: i think those statistics for for a person like me i mean and that's not like like bragging but i i know my shit i i watch a lot of fights but i think i can make a lot of sense from a statistics but it's not like in other sports like where you can start making predictions just based on a studi- on a statistics that's not and going that's, to happen I mean, in mma because they're very like context dependent so just and that's why
0: uh, we hate bettors
1: yeah <laughs> you still want to you still gotta watch the fights you still <clears throat> gotta watch what's going on because uh statistics in mma uh do not account for a level of opposition that it's that varies widely uh in a fighter's career. Um uh the sample size is super small as well, but you can still like get some trends going on from the statistics. Yeah. Uh you can read some stuff. I think the I think uh like Deciding who won a round because of the number of, like, significant strikes. Even if you count them yourself, I think that's wrong. But I think the the significant strike is a good statistic if you're not stupid. You know, sadly, yeah. like,
0: most people are stupid. <laughs> S- significant strikes aren't even, like, actually significant. Significant strikes is basically all the strikes that were landed on the feet. And total and, strikes is... And the
1: ground strikes that are with <clears throat> posture. I think the definition yeah. is, is pretty decent because... Uh, be- before, like uh, significant strikes, they used to differentiate between like jabs and non jabs, and that's way more stupid.
0: <laughs> yeah, like boxing does. Like, uh, boxing differentiates jabs from power shots, and like, fucking a, a jab can be a power shot. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, ask, yeah, so ask hmm. uh, like Josh Koschek if he was not hit with significant strikes in his fight with George St. Pierre. <laughs> I think she so will the... have something
0: to say. The episodes that I covered statistics in were Tengri Dome episode 9, 10, 19, and 22. So (laughs) if you want a really in-depth look at statistics, check those out. But um, to just fire off the main points, number one, sample size. Other sports feature hundreds of games with set time limits where the game must run for the duration of the time limit. exactly. And uh, MMA in MMA, having like twenty fights is just is already considered a long career, and uh, fights can end at any second, and uh, this results in a limited pool of data to draw from, which and, increases and that, the importance of using other ways to evaluate yeah. fights. And other deforms than fight metric.
1: that deforms the statistics as well because you can say like um, like most knocks knockdowns per minute. And if Mm -hmm. you're, like, getting knockdowns and if you're getting, like, early KOs, obviously, that's going to be, like, super overrated. That Mm -hmm. doesn't make sense. Like, as I said, uh, you got to make sense of it. Um, I think uh, watching, like, statistics from, like, a particular fight can be helpful. Like, for example, I don't know, like, Max Holloway attempted so and so many strikes against Jose Aldo. that that, That can give you some insight. But uh, as, I, as I say, you always need context. You need <clears throat> to know who Jose Aldo is. Uh, you got to watch how the fight went on. And then you can use the numbers sometimes to get to some conclusions. Uh, I don't think they are completely worthless. But in the sense that uh, a lot of like betters or people that coming from other sports look at the statistics, uh, that's not going to happen in MMA in the foreseeable future. Yeah.
0: Future. So like... In a game, a point is a point. You kick the ball in the net, you get the ball in the hole, and then fighting, uh, as we said, like there's like significant strikes, jabs, power shots, all that bullshit, and uh, n- not what well, not a single strike is identical to one and to to like across different fighters. Fighters are different, and so they strike differently, they punch differently, different yeah. attributes, all that stuff and the uh, skill
1: sets the skills that like change the approach of the fighters all the time yeah. and, like uh you you never see like in in nba or nfl you, it's very weird that you see like guys using like a way outside of the box game plan and that that shit happens in mma all the time like guys that are super high volume like sometimes like feel the threat of the takedown get get paralyzed stop doing anything like it,
0: there's too much shit to going on like there's you can... just got yeah, go ahead. Yeah there's so much bullshit happening in MMA at any given time and also like there's the level of opposition as well like for example a guy gets uh, into the cage and like uh the commentator fires off a bunch of stats oh 97% uh, takedown defense like uh, and I guess the guy who? just <laughs> like, yeah and the guy never fought a single good wrestler throughout his in, entire career
1: Yeah for example in the in the in the, <clears throat> the NBA or for example in, in football or uh, what you generates cold soccer um every team plays every fucking team like <laughs> if the statistics make sense because of that like every year you play everyone in your league that doesn't happen in mma you sometimes go like 10 fights without fighting a wrestler some guys go 10 fights without fighting a guy that uh, has good counter punching so yeah i mean you can make use of the statistics i don't think they're completely worthless but they need a lot of context and when you can make use of them you already like understand a lot of the sport already i don't think you can yeah know, like, by that point you may, may not even use then. the
0: statistics anyway. yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs> it it can be useful to make points here and there but uh i wouldn't use them to draw conclusions like okay this fighter is going to beat this fighter because he attempts more strikes per round it's like ah uh, yeah don't do that
0: does it does it land them <laughs> Does he does he land those strikes? I think the <laughs> I think the the
1: activity ones though are the some of the most useful. Like uh, yeah, like significant strikes, uh, strikes attempts, uh, takedowns attempt, takedowns defense. Uh, they don't they as as i we've been saying like for two hours, <laughs> <laughs> they do not tell you the whole story, but they can have some value if you have uh, something between your ears. <laughs>
0: Yeah, basically, they like, just have critical thinking, uh, look at the footage, and then, then and only then, you can kind of evaluate it stuff. Never also, bet,
1: never bet without watching the actual fights. Like, yeah. Never. Also, <laughs> you have
0: to. You really have to study entire careers, really, like fight libraries, to yeah, just um, to make to draw conclusions from. Because, uh, uh, like for example. You can look at a Max Holloway fight, like Max Holloway fights a guy and the guy like lands uh five hundred punches on him and Max re- returns uh, like fifteen hundred punches, and Max Holloway is like completely unhurt by gigantic bombs. And the guy like you watch that one fight, and then you go to the comments and say that oh, the guy that Max Holloway fought is pillow fisted, he can't fucking hit. Like he <laughs> didn't even knock him out. And the guy that Max Holloway fought was fucking Jose Aldo.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure,
0: <laughs> just watch the library if you want to study you a vital, too much. Want to... All the time, yeah, yeah. It's just it's uh, it's a lot. It, it it takes a lot of time and a lot of critical thinking to kind of like understand what's happening. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Fucking statistics, Jesus. Okay, so again, Matt Wakefield has another question, and um, this time he asks: I've been thinking about. Uh, what's minimum uh, what's what's the minimum viable skill level uh, that a fighter should have to be considered like good um, and what are those skills in your opinion? I think uh let's start
1: with like very basic outline like obviously like being good it's like something very subjective even though we talk about it like it's a very like black and white shit because mm-hmm. because we're assholes and <laughs> but but yeah um I think for a fighter to like to be good let's let's pretend there's like a clear definition for being good there is not
0: this, uh... the way I kind of break that down is like being good for a division and being good like Kind overall like yeah <laughs> overall i guess there's also being good kind of like in the context of the meta uh of the sports meta yeah. and then be, being like objectively good with the techniques so there's a whole bunch of stuff you can get into So yeah i think your mileage some... may vary
1: yeah uh, very I think, I think there are some stuff that that if you don't know how to do your bad. i think that's we can <laughs> yeah, all agree right. in that i mean there's the sport has been a life for enough that Everyone should know a few a few things. Like if you never grab an underhook for uh, when you're presented with a takedown, you're bad. Okay. <laughs>
0: yeah. If if you don't know how to whizzer, you're bad.
1: <laughs> you cannot whizzer. You cannot like pummel for underhooks. You're, you're you're bad and you're stupid, and you should feel bad too. <laughs> like not not bad like a bad person. Like you should feel bad like sad. Because if, if you can so if you dumb. can throw a
0: one two from range and not from 500 meters away you're bad that kind yeah, of stuff like,
1: I think uh to be good like first you you should not be like clearly incompetent in any in any area of MMA like like it like it <clears throat> it's not like if you If you, like, trip against a jiu-jitsu guy, even though, like, your defensive wrestling is very good, like, but if you trip and the jiu-jitsu guy gets on top of you and you get, like, submitted immediately, like, then you're not good, okay?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, basically, like, to kind of codify that stuff, I guess, is uh, you kind of have to have basic kickboxing. Kind of know how to, like, throw one to maybe a low kick. That's kind of, like, the minimum viable striking that you should have. Kinda know how to cover up at least the double forearms god. And uh kinda know basic grappling, so not being insta-subbed by dumb bullshit. Like fucking uh not getting buggy choked, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, like if you're <laughs> yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna shoot like a single with your head in the on the inside, like at least know how to defend a
0: guillotine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like an, an unsatisfying answer, but listing off all the techniques would take fucking forever. But uh, to just kind of basically outline it, you kind of have, <laughs> yeah, like you said, you don't, you need to be uh, not incompetent in any single area. If you're like just shockingly incompetent in one area, then you're probably not good. Yeah, and that that makes you like
1: not bad. If you want to be good, like you have to. You have to be like decent, at least decent everywhere. You and need to be good have, in one area. Yeah, you need to be good, act like actual good in one area, and you have and you need to have tools to take the fight in that one area. Like, like it doesn't, for example, um, let's take uh Mackenzie Darren, for example. Um, uh-huh. she's not bad, I would say. She's not terrible, she's not a bad fighter, but I wouldn't consider like good like in the sense that you can watch her and see okay that's a good fighter she has because she has a very dangerous skill set in one area and her game doesn't lend to get the fight to that place like she can get Mm. takedowns against Mm -hmm. lower level opposition but she doesn't have flexibility with the takedowns she doesn't have good entries and the wrestling is like it's not as bad as people say like she's pretty strong in the clinch has a few tricks but still if you like that's all you know to do like at least get like some good clean entries so i would say you need a bit more than that you you need to having a good process as we we talk on the first question is like very important to being like a good fighter like yeah, yeah there's, you have, you're decent there's everywhere there's also... you have one area <clears throat> that you're good and you can take the fight to that place
0: that kind of like uh I kind of thought of another criteria, which is uh, if you're faced from a weirdo from the regionals, even if uh, the the weirdo from the regionals is extremely weird, you'd still smash him, <laughs> just because you're kind of like just on a higher level of competence across all uh, yeah. disciplines, and not just like you know, like completely useless in one area, and you kind of like that weirdo kind of specifically tailored to exploit yeah. that weakness. Uh, so you should if the, the other fighter is less competent than you in most areas you should probably smash him and uh not get like you know uh get, get stalled out boringly or kind of like outstruck in a boring fashion <laughs> those kind of like I, yeah and, and obviously like
1: good fighters can lose like pre- very clearly to other good fighters that's like like obviously, you're sometimes gonna get outclassed in in an area, uh-huh. and you're there's not a thing you can do about it. That doesn't mean you're not good. Like we're talking about, like having a good skill set. Like if you're, if you're smashing like fighters that are not good, like co- consistently, like you're a good fighter. Like uh, we saw, for example, we saw how universals like lose that fight to to Victor Henry and he was like Uh clearly I mean he was winning at the first and then he got drugged he lost all three rounds Um, but but you can tell like he still had a process going in the fight he was still in the fight like trying to win and then we saw him fight against like Trevin Jones in his next fight completely smashed the guy like that's a good fighter like doesn't a good fighter doesn't mean that you can never lose that you can never like you can you will sometimes get smashed even being like great that is better than yeah and it's Uh, not
0: about it's not even about performing all the techniques correctly or like yeah exactly being mechanically perfect it's just knowing what you're good at uh kind of knowing what you're doing in in most areas and uh uh basically that's it it's uh, and like having kind of a and that's basically like not being bad and being good is actually elevating that and kind of coming up with the process recognizing your strengths and uh figuring out ways to get to the area of strength Uh, that's that's where you start becoming you know actually good but there's also obviously like being good for a division which is like another topic in itself Yeah, we're
1: we're Uh, not getting into that right (laughs)
0: yes like there are divisions that are fucking bad yeah, everyone so, in there is bad. Yeah, good so for divert. good for
1: heavyweight is like a, a a phrase for for a reason. But mm-hmm. the last thing is that yeah, uh, a good point to t- to to talk about is the technique. Um I think technique is like one of the least important things when it comes to determining if someone is good. Like fighting is not about like throwing with perfect technique it's about winning. Um I think bad technique can be bad to a fault. <laughs> a lot of fighters yes, there, like, are so, there are a lot of fighters like, would be a lot better if they have if they had better punching mechanics but yeah. most of the time if you're if you're throwing uh if you're fighting with good tactics that overcomes bad technique a lot of the time um obviously there's as i just said there's come there comes a point where technique is so bad that you, you cannot make up for it but i would i wouldn't say that like a fighter is bad because he punches like wrong. I mean, we were, we were just talking about uh, Joanna Jucic, and <laughs> and like, uh, there's a lot to fix in her kicks, in her punches. Like mechanically, she's, but but she the the tactics are so smart and so well put together. And also, like she uses like the the limitations of her technique to her advantage. Like, uh, she doesn't like has like. <clears throat> Like a very powerful, like one punch knockout. Uh, because her he flay, she flays. Uh, her arms too much. Uh, too much flailing of the elbows. Uh, she doesn't like set her feet very well when punching, but uh, she like makes makes up for that. Uh, with with excellent positioning, with very fast combinations because she makes uh. Takes advantage of the fact that she doesn't like need a lot of uh settling to to punch, uh. So she like she just fires like very quick combinations, and I would say like no one would argue that Joanna is not a good fighter. And yep. there's still a lot to fix uh, technically, but she she makes us for it in in the tactical area, in the in the IQ uh, area, and all of that.
0: So yeah. Okay, so what's the next question then? Can Spencer, another staff member who also keeps paying us, asks, can good people do bad things? Yes. Yes. Okay, next question. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking another staff member question. Like, for fuck's sake, like, Jesus. Uh... I mean, I guess it makes sense that uh, they're the most active ones because they actually are, like really interested in combat sports and all that bullshit. And uh, the shame on you, uh, every other uh, <laughs> subscriber that, that did not ask us stuff because fucking our own staff members have to pull for you anyway. Miguel asks, uh, can you explain the differences tactically and strategically between pace fighters? And pressure fighters in MMA. I feel like they often get confused and it could be good to just give a quick overview. Uh, and I'm particularly interested in what specific tactics slash moves may serve one style over the other. Um uh, I wanna so go basically uh, uh yeah. yeah, so yeah so basically it's warmers versus pressure fighters, yeah. Yeah. I think uh
1: the the pace versus uh versus pressure, the, the most important thing is uh, what do they want uh spelling like, like very broad sense the the base fighter wants to keep exchanging with you that's that's the whole thing that's the what they want it's to keep to keep uh the activity very high uh to to wear you down to make you commit mistakes and um, and that's what, that what they want uh, the pressure fighter is more concerned with uh with taking the initiative and uh, and the direction of the fight. I would say they are more concerned, especially with with how uh, space inside the cage or the ring works. Uh, so obviously we all we talk all all the time about pressuring and cutting the cage. The pressure fighter wants you to to put your back against the cage to to force you into making certain moves the the base fighter is not as concerned with that because the the weapon is the is the cardio is the is the the constant action that makes you like yeah. makes you tired makes you make mistakes both uh you can be both you can be like a, a pressure fighter that's very very concerned about uh, keeping the pace high, but you can also be like a pressure fighter that is not very high volume. You can be a, a counter-puncher pressure fighter. So they're not, uh, they're not the same. There's a lot of overlap, uh, but they're not the same. Uh, Two examples that I go for, for pace fighters in MMA would be like Max Holloway and Prime Tony Ferguson. Both guys that are not very, very concerned about uh, getting your, your back to against the cage but are very concerned about uh, keeping activity going all the time. I would say. Uh, on the other hand, like pressure fighters, uh, in on the other end of the spectrum, you have like, for example, Prime Robbie Lawler was like a pressuring counter puncher. Uh, Conor McGregor on his featherweight run as well. There are guys that uh, are very concerned with moving you to, to the edge of the cage to manipulate your movements. And then uh, get out, get reactions out of you t- for them to counter. They are very different in that sense that they they can be high paced if given the chance, but that's not what the, that's not necessarily what they want. What they want is to uh, get complete uh, control of the initiative of the fight and then make you make mistakes. Uh, Ferguson and Holloway, on the other hand, I would say are more concerned about keeping the action going wearing you down uh, cardio wise and, and making making you like falter uh falter under the pressure uh, uh, even though i'm describing it's, them yeah. not <laughs> as precious fighters but but you get my drift yeah
0: yeah it's kind of like um Piotr Jan is also an interesting example because he doesn't like uh he's not re- super reliant on the cage like early on he mostly like only Found offense on, on the fence, but these days he's, I'd say, he's got better. And now he's mostly concerned about uh, uh, the initiative specifically because he uh, and he does not take the initiative through volume. He takes the initiative through kind of like always taking superior positioning. And that's kind of like the most important bit about pressure fighting, which is uh, always putting yourself in a position where you kind of leave the opponent only a couple options as opposed to a whole bunch of options so like you you kind of know what they're gonna do like they're gonna move one way i'm gonna fade uh like against uh sandy against uh sandhagen when jan von, uh, fought sandhagen he would uh, switch uh in one stance and then kind of like give a diff- give a look that he's gonna like oh i'm gonna now I have these such and such strikes that I'm going to attack you with. And Tanhagen, obviously, he's smart and he recognizes that. So he kind of expects that. And Jan would feint and then switch stances again and then hit from a different direction. And that that's kind of the type of positioning and fake outs that uh, you kind of use when you're uh, more concerned with initiative overall than just pace. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and... The way i would characterize it is that uh, a pace fighter uh a pace fighter obviously is uh kind of like he drags the initiative uh, and th- th- through brute force like i'm gonna just throw more than you and that's that's how i'm gonna take my initiative and uh, a pressure fighter can uh, retake that uh, can take that initiative he primarily takes that through positioning you can also use volume, but primarily it's positioning. It's like taking eating away at the space that's available to you, and then that that leaves you with only a couple options for exit. And then the the opponent can the pressuring opponent can kind of predict what you're gonna do, and then punish you from there. Uh, so the specific tactics and moves that may serve uh, one style over the other. Well, obviously in the, with the case of. Pace fighters, it's uh, lots of jabs, lots of front kicks, lots of linear strikes, that kind of stuff. And with uh, pressure fighters that kind of like eat away at space, it's more about, I'd say, intercepting strikes. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, I think uh, strikes that attack space are very valuable to pressure fighters, like round kicks, uh, uh, hooks, uh, things that... uh, Things that catch you when you're trying to circle out because circling out is the only is the only option you have left, and and on the other hand, like uh, base fighters, they like their long weapons, and they also and but both both guys and obviously there's overlap. Uh, both guys like the body work a lot. There, it's very useful. If you want to yeah. see a fighter that has a lot of overlap between um between pace uh, fighting and pressuring, uh, I would say Paulo Costa is a guy that it's first a pressure fighter because he really wants to have your back against the cage, but also like he's very concerned about uh, landing volume on you constantly. That's something that is very important to him. And someone that it's actually pretty good at attacking space when people are circling, especially with the roundhouse kicks. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's... There's a lot of overlap, but they're not the same for sure. I think we, we have explained in, in, that in, pretty well. In
0: boxing, in boxing, an interesting example of overlap would be, let uh, would say, Vasily Lomachenko, because uh, he is uh, obviously he throws a ton of volume all the time, but he also pressures really well, and he cuts the ring very, very well. But uh, since uh, he's not like a thunderous puncher, he has to kind of like constantly pour it on you, and he constantly feints, constantly throws lots of strikes, and he kind of has... Uh, every punch in the book in that regard. He puts you puts you back, uh, makes you go backwards with jabs and straights. And then once you uh, along the ropes, he kind of lets off, fires off hooks, fires off uppercuts and that kind of stuff. So yeah, th- that's basically the divide. It's kind of trick, it's, uh, it's kind of annoying to deal with because especially like uh, in uh, the UFC commentary and uh, commentary in general, they constantly talk about, oh, the pressure is so high, like for example, Kater versus Gigo Chikaze. Kata just goes forward and throws lots of strikes,
1: and they yeah. Kaita was like... was more concerned about uh, pace than pressuring for sure in that fight. Like yeah. obviously, the 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 word pressure by itself means a lot of stuff. I just I just fell into into the mistake of using it out of context, but but yeah, uh, it's mostly that. For example, I would say uh, I would say another like. Uh, interesting thing to talk about this topic is that for example nate diaz i would say it's more of a pace fighter and nick diaz mm-hmm. more of a pressure fighter i think that's one of their big differences is that nate not as good as bombing against the cage but likes to keep the, the high activity he's a better boxer out out in the open for the same reason but nick is like way better at putting combinations together when he has you and he wants um, so that's uh, if you watch both the fights, especially because they have like such uh, similar styles in the sense of like technique and shot selection, they are very very similar. But if you if you want to like see like the difference in the process of a pace fighter and a pressure fighter, I would say watch the Diaz brothers and try to notice what the differences are.
0: Yeah, and that's that's not getting into uh, like pace wrestlers and pace grapplers yeah for sure (laughs) pressure pressure restless and pressure grapplers yeah i think wrestlers
1: are usually like described like as pressure fighters no matter what and i think that's like very wrong sometimes like yeah rogan rogan always all the time is like oh, the pressure from this wrestler is like i mean obviously like if you're gonna use the the word pressure in the most liberal sense any guy that it gets top control it's pressuring you but that's yeah. so, that's not how we use the word in combat Yeah, sport, and so. <laughs> Habib is
0: frequently described as a pressure wrestler, and uh, he kind of more of a base wrestler. Actually. More more of a pace wrestler. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like I mean,
1: I mean, obviously he liked the cage a lot, but it's because uh, most of the time, like guys put themselves in the cage. <laughs> I can yeah. um, he
0: just he, was, he just at the wanted way... to
1: he just wanted to wrestle like at all costs. He wasn't as concerned with pressure. I mean. He was decent at pressuring, but what he actually wanted was like a good chance to get to wrestle. He was more concerned yeah. with that that getting your back against the like, cage.
0: A, a really good example would be his fight against Latin Barboza, where he just he didn't like put him put him uh, back to the cage with jabs, put him back to the cage with uh, front kicks and that that kind of stuff. Basically, just ran at him. It was like ah fuck you yeah. okay, like, and ran at back- him. And when Barbosa, used, and when Barbosa
1: used his tools, like, for example, the, the few times, like, he pivoted out of strikes, so like, he he really, like, exposed, in a way, the uh, Khabib as a, as a pressure fighter because he was, like, making him look stupid a few times there. But then yeah. it was the pace that got to Barbosa, and it wasn't the pressure. Like, it was yeah. the pace. It was the, the constantly defending, like, actually broke him, I feel.
0: Yeah. And that's that's a good like example of uh, the the big difference uh, with base fighters. It's uh, as you said, the pace gets uh, the opponents. It tires them out. They cannot keep up with you. They cannot keep up with all the bullshit that you're throwing at them. Meanwhile, uh, with pressure fighters, you're kind of like setting up traps. Yeah, kind of like, exactly. Yeah. Another another
1: very important thing to notice is that you can be you can keep the pace up when you're on the back foot. That's something that you cannot do. As a pressure fighter, like mm-hmm. if you're if you're walking back, you're not pressuring. <laughs> but for yeah. example, like uh, you see, like uh, both uh, Jose Aldo fights against Holloway, uh, and Howie Bercellis fight against Victor Henry that I just watched. That's why I have uh, it in my mind. Tony Ferguson um,
0: RDA also a good yeah. example. I'd say
1: it's fights where uh it was aldo uh, hawney and rda the fighters that were clearly like trying to walk down the other guy but it was the other guy that was keeping the pre- the, the pace up mm-hmm. because they were making sure to extend combinations uh out of the comfort zone of their opponents and feeling the gaps between like combination and combination especially because all three fighters like uh, aldo hawney and, and rda are very like exchange to ex- exchange to exchange fires, and they were uh, like broken down by the by the filling of the gaps and the constant like activity it was the activity it was not the pressure mm-hmm. it was like the volume but effective volume and meaningful volume especially when they were they were not like comfortable receiving it
0: yeah and there there are different ways you can uh, achieve that pace if uh you're a pace fighter fighting a, a guy who cannot deal with the pace obviously you can just outland him and that would be fine but a sign of a really good pace fighter would be I'd say uh keeping up with uh, a really good opponent in the pocket constantly in yeah. combinations like uh, okay I'm gonna throw a couple like uh, a whole bunch of one twos and he's gonna like find the counter I'm gonna expect that counter and then counter the counter and the the, the, the deeper the exchange goes, and the better the pace fighter is then uh, that's where uh, the other uh, the other fighter starts breaking down
1: yeah one tool that uh, you see a lot of like pace fighters use very well is like uh, f- finishing uh, combinations instead of with the jab uh, instead of with the left hook finish them with the jab because mm-hmm. it's like when, just, the fighter, keep it going. when the fighter is trying to like get out of range you just keep the jab going you just keep the jab going and that's what breaks a lot of fighters it's like they do not have a comfort zone after combinations it's a very good tool actually it's very cool
0: Dude, Yeah, i think we, it's really cool
1: we've talked about this question a lot already it was a good <laughs> one <though.
0: laughs> yeah so uh joanna dangerfield once again asks actually has a question this time um why do you watch combat sports
1: Yeah, go first <laughs>
0: because, because, because fighting is cool <laughs> yeah
1: yeah pretty
0: much <laughs> <laughs> okay moving on yeah but uh, seriously yeah. yeah but but seriously i don't know uh it's kind of been for me personally it was always kind of a fascination because uh uh my grandfather was uh, a wrestler and uh, my uncle was a striker and they they kind of like Always, uh, they they always watched uh, tournaments and fights and um, wrestling tournaments, uh, kickboxing, boxing. They always watch that. Always uh, argued back and forth between each other and kind of like made me interested. What 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 the, what are they talking about? And then uh, they kind of like started instructing me once I just got older, and that's uh, just basically like a, a lifelong interest. But uh, the actual reasons. I would say that like the actual reasons I think I, I outlined very extensively in the article called World of Hurt, uh, where I talk about how uh, fighting is kind of like a really raw experience in the sense that yeah. it kind of reveals you like, like who the person is uh, in the moment, in the fight. Or like the inner turmoil, like um, trauma, personality traits, quirks, that all everything about that person is just revealed through how they conduct themselves in the ring or in the cage. And it's the one place where I would say violence can really be uh, kind of not beneficial, but I guess constructive or or like informative in the sense that um, uh, people from all across the world can get into it and it can actually serve like as a real instrument of social mobility and if it becomes more popular and if it grows and if it becomes less rinky tink than it is right now then it can be really something like great really something good for 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 the society i think that's kind of like why i have this real uh invested interest in this whole thing i mean i'm an example of that and you're also an example of that yeah we're kind of making money from uh talking about fights and we we're both from regions where uh most of the jobs are shit and they pay extremely extremely poorly <laughs> so
1: <laughs> yeah we're and, united uh, by fighting i think yeah. you know, for me uh growing up uh i grew up uh i mean i'm from south america but we we pretty much get everything like from western culture and i think i grew up in a in an era that you saw like violence being romanticized a lot especially in market- marketed for kids like i grew up like watching like shonen anime and f- f- fighting games on the on the super nintendo so what my idols when i was little was like goku from dragon ball seed and uh, and whoever was my favorite at street fighter at the time um uh, Obviously, I, I like Ryo and Ken, but then I, I like other fighters. <laughs> but and Mortal Kombat and all that cool shit. Like, so, so yeah. I mean, it was like for me, it was always presented like fighting is this cool thing that men do. And and growing up, I was like, like, is there anything like resembling like an actual martial arts competition? And that's how like like reading and stuff. I came out uh I knew about K1 and started watching fights and then K1 like brought me to Pride and I got enamored like watching like feather clips and Vanderlei and Shogun and that kind of shit. And that was like this this is the thing that I was looking all my life when I was a kid that was obsessed with fighting. <laughs> and and yeah, I mean it was it as as Tuman said, I I I also agree, like it's it turns violence that is such a like a bad thing overall like it's the only context where violence can be like a beautiful thing
0: because yeah, it's, it's like the it's only the... place where fight violence is okay first yeah. of all and also <laughs> because like, it's, inspiring it's hopefully consensual <clears throat>
1: between two adults. <coughs> not not always the case but let's not let's not get into that right now but and i think um it's and and then I got interested in fighting like in MMA because of that, because of of growing up watching all this like martial arts like inspired shit. But then uh what what enamored me with MMA was also like uh the amount of like different expressions that you can see, like the variety the, the amount of different styles. I think it's very interesting uh how how fighters like don't don't get an option but to express themselves in such a raw and primal way once they're inside of a fist fight and and i love that i mean I, that's the thing that the i think it's the coolest
0: in the world <laughs> yeah it's like it's uh, actually like you said in the beginning like uh fighting is uh, something that uh, is a cool thing that men do and it's i think it's kind of like an aspect that's shared by both like um the Russian culture and the, the Siberian culture whatever and uh, in South America like masculinity is always like yeah. romanticized For sure. it's like yeah you have to be a man you have to be a tough dude and uh, you gotta train and fight in order to be a man and uh, when you actually watch real fighting and uh, there's like there's all sorts of people from all sorts of all walks of life involved and it kind of actual fighting is kind of like an an antithesis of that uh romanticization of uh, romanticization of fuck i can't pronounce that word of that <laughs> elevation of masculinity of that propag- propaganda ideal of ideal of uh the real man because women fight yeah some of yeah. them are really good at it there's uh all sorts of like weird nerds that are into like uh stuff like tabletop rpgs fighting there's people, there's um, uh, LGBT people fighting, and uh, seeing the, all those people train and fight and kind of uh, engage in this really violent and harsh, extremely hard activity, it's kind of like a debunking of this myth that fighting is only this thing that's only men should do and only tough, badass men can do, because uh, it's kind of I think it's a really uh it can be a really beautiful unifying example where people can relate to everyone and uh, find people they relate to and kind of bridge the gap between uh prejudice and uh misunderstanding and all that other uh, hippie bullshit that i can say about it (laughs) no but it's true i think it's it's very cool that
1: like there's clearly a lot of bad people in mma yeah, but I think I think uh, but when it comes to fighters, I think they are all like a little, a little bit less bad because they are fighters. Like they, they learn to train with different people than their own. Mm-hmm. there a lot of fighters, especially for example in ATT, like a lot of guys come from like very, very like misogynistic countries, and they they just had to learn to respect the girls because they see them. Training every day and riding just as hard as they as they are, uh, a racist uh, eventually will have like a black teammate, and they <laughs> they they'll have to respect them because they don't have another option. And I yeah. think um I think the social aspect of MMA is just a very cool bonus to to the coolest sport to me. Like it's it's like a lot of guys are
0: bad, but they are a bit less bad thanks to MMA. I'd yeah. <laughs> say. And like historically, like across all combat sports, like for example, if you get, get into the history of boxing and how black fighters were mistreated and were able to break through the yeah. calibre and like became uh, worldwide icons of uh, of the of the sport and like and just like humanity overall, like people like Muhammad Ali, who are still considered to be like one of the greatest humans in history, not just uh, like athletes. Uh, I think that's that's the real avenue that um, combat sports really offer, and uh, I think not to like kind of disparage other sports, but I think fighting kind of has this uh, more primal aspect to it because it's like people actually investing, like people actually fucking fighting. Anyone that, can that actually reputation. relate.
1: Anyone can relate to a fight. Yeah. Even if you're if you're never like being involved in like a physical altercation, you can relate to what a fight is because we we've all have fought once in our lives, at least once against anything. Uh, yeah, except it's like, billionaires, it's not, it's, fuck those motherfuckers. But <laughs> it's not even like physical fighting. It's yeah, basically no, like the struggle yeah. of it. This is a struggle. Yeah, it's like such a beautiful representation. Like every every fan of every sport say oh, this sport is such a representation of life. I would say there's no sport like combat sports that yeah, does that yeah. better. Yeah. It's like... Uh,
0: it's, like a lot of guys, almost... like,
1: the life is like football. The life is like lifting. and No, the life is like a fight.
0: <laughs> life is like kicking a ball in the net.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: come on. Come on, dude. <laughs> life is not running for 90 minutes. <laughs> I'm sorry, it just
1: isn't Life is getting blanketed by a Division 1 wrestler <laughs> uh,
0: The class struggle is like being blanketed by Habib And every time we try to change position And like uh, grow and find like a new career Or like find a new job Habib fucking starts punching you in the face And gets you into a new worse position That's basically it <laughs> that's, that, that's the moral of the story here Life sucks, life is like being beaten by Habib yeah life is
1: getting your beat by Habib. that's it
0: Uh, on this inspirational note (laughs) let's get into the next question yeah (laughs) (laughs) so we have Uh, a question by (laughs) life life is is trying to flee Russia during the invasion of Ukraine from Putin and (laughs) Putin sends Khabib after you He finds you in your new apartment Beats your ass Life is commissioned stuff for us In coffee.com Life life is missing weight By 20 pounds (laughs) Shaking on the scale Passing out Being half of your purse Taking out and then being uh, Humiliated by a guy that's uh, Half your size That's
1: life That's life Life life.
0: is life is kicking up all internet <laughs> life, life is standing naked on on the scale because uh, you're you're so overweight you can't actually actually like make weight without wearing pants and the the guy holding the uh, the uh, the towel is just engaging he like shakes it and everyone sees your tiny <laughs> to show, dick to show your dick
1: to everyone
0: <laughs> okay read the read the Jonathan Garcia question please <laughs> okay Uh, okay so uh uh, jonathan garcia uh, hi guys first time commenter here hello uh but a long time patron first off i just wanted to say that i greatly appreciate the new kickboxing podcast that is now being provided which is uh the rolling with the thunder podcast uh, hosted by spencer check it out on our podcast network um Pleasantries aside, now to the question at hand. With uh, the exponential rise in popularity surrounding MMA as a whole, naturally we can expect it to become more inclusive as time passes, leading to the to the development of increasingly experimental deviations of the original concept. Would it be better for a fighter to have two more arms or four more legs? <laughs> <laughs> so... so basically, are he's you, basically uh, asking if there's going to be genetic modification involved in MMA. Yeah,
1: he's asking <laughs> he's asking, uh, uh, you were more of a uh, of a goro guy or uh, of a motaro guy
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, 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 so like seriously, I think yeah, yeah, with the globalization, like uh, sh- sure, like more countries are going like get into MMA, I, I, at least I hope from like different countries, from countries that are very badly represented in the sport today. Yeah. Yeah, like poorer countries and that stuff. And, and you uh, see when, is...
1: and you see like, like even like small countries, they get one star and the other and sport explodes. Like we're seeing like a bunch of fire from Ecuador right now that that's all Cheeto. Like, yeah. like they do not have the infrastructure. They just want to be, they, they just want to be, be like Cheeto. Cheeto yeah, so. exactly. And, uh,
0: Presumably there's a bunch of guys from Cameroon right now training in the, yeah, like the, in the garage the, wanting to be up. like Francis. They're coming up for sure. Yeah. Uh, but uh, would it be better for a fighter to have two more arms or four more legs? Would it, uh, answer the question. Answer the actual, uh, the, mo- the most important answer, question. Answer the,
1: the important part, yeah. Uh, so obviously arms are more like a skill. You can do like more stuff, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like you would be so strong with four legs, like six legs. <laughs> Holy shit! But, but that's a lot of leg locks that you get. At
0: the- <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that you can basically like make combos with uh, kicking combos with legs. You can stand on two legs and then kick with the other four. Like, yeah, maybe you can leg? like
1: like develop like very good uh, like dexterity with the other legs because you don't need them for for walking. Or maybe you do yeah. need them for walking, and you're like.
0: It depends like, on the body composition. It depends. Octopus.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it depends on if you stand like this or like this. Would a Would a dog wear the pants like this? <laughs> <laughs> would a Would a dog that is an MMA fighter use his Reebok uh, <laughs> fight kit <laughs> like this or like this? <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, so it's venom in- right now. Increasing the experimental deviations of the original concept, I, I'm not sure what that means. Is that like, uh, what, what's that, like different variants of MMA, like uh, arm wrestling MMA, I chess have a MMA?
1: I, I have a question for Jonathan Garcia. What <laughs> if, like, uh, like, it, there's like a, your generic shonen anime, right? Mm. And one guy learns to to wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> does does division division one Vegeta beats the shit out of Goku? Yes or no? <laughs> it's
0: like uh fuck I, I remember like really actually like if you look at any like um work of media where there's fighting involved, it's always striking. almost always like 90% striking and you see real fights; uh,
1: there's always grappling (laughs) they always sloppily go to the ground
0: (laughs) yeah there's uh there's a manga called holy land that is critically acclaimed and everyone talks about uh, about uh, it being realistic however there's also a moment in it where a wrestler like fights the main character and the main character goes oh he's more limited on the streets because there's actually like concrete and he can't he can't do his usual leg attacks because he's gonna scrape his knees like motherfucker he's going to break your head on the concrete like what you to kill. Uh, have you ever been have you ever even like fell on the ground just kind of like tripped and fell on the ground on solid concrete no <laughs> <laughs> oh, but but he can scrape his knees so yeah better, uh, think like,
1: about that one
0: Better it's think not like a freestyle wrestler can also throw hip throw or like do upper body throws like. No, no, no. Okay. It's <clears throat> all it's all double legs going completely to your it's, knees. It's only doubles and singles. It's not like you can do a double on a on an untrained wrestler it's without that, going to the knees.
1: Is that very that very shitty like uh, jiu jitsu double leg, like when you go to your knees be, before like finishing the take down. <laughs>
0: Even if you just bend at the waist and like tackle the guy, you can still like kill a person if you you drop them on the head on concrete. Come on, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm sorry, uh, Jonathan. I kind of like didn't get the second portion of the question, which is increasingly experimental deviations of the original concept. Like maybe like offering different like, rule sets, like allowing like headbutts again,
1: like X arm. <laughs>
0: or like we're not- chess boxing <laughs> we're not laughing at you or asking no. questions no we're no just- <laughs> we're
1: loving you we're loving your question i love it like like thank you <laughs> thank you so much like i'm very very sincere here i'm having a blast talking about this <laughs> uh also like about the the guy with six legs how the fuck do you take that guy down but <laughs> like, he it's can impossible.
0: just he always posts with the other leg, like, you're fucked. Even if you have a third leg, or like a tail, like a kangaroo, you're already pretty much impossible to take down. Only if you, like, pick them up and completely over throw them overhead, like a, I don't know, a strong man that's the only way can Yeah, what, I want
1: everyone to have a lot of legs so
0: you, we can get rid of the wrestling part <laughs> yeah we can get, get rid of the wrestling part and turn MMA into a strongman competition into a caber tossing competition <laughs> that, that, that's the experimental deviation yeah just a lot of
1: guys built like squidward fighting each other that's what I want
0: guys built like Octodead yeah <laughs> uh okay. okay um do we so, move on to the last one uh yeah the last one is going to be two really, questions yeah it's two questions and one of them is really big and actually oh, like okay. come come to think of it i think it can be uh mm-hmm. an entire episode in itself but we kind of touched upon some of the themes in it anyway <clears throat> yeah let's 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 see if if
1: it's like really go, going long like we can actually like record a a podcast
0: for just for that but let's go into it yeah big old bear 88 uh, asks so I have two questions one short one and one a little longer the first one is what are some indicators of a good defensive fighter in MMA and how has defense evolved throughout the years especially the last decade or so so that's uh, we can answer this one right now Uh, yeah and uh, the next one is uh, a little heady but how do you think a country or region's culture and history influences the development and creation of various martial arts, MMA included, and also the kind of tendencies um, or trends fighters from said countries or regions could possibly develop uh, based on their region or country of origin. I guess it adds to the theme. <clears throat> Yeah, uh, I guess to add to the theme, uh, a little bonus question is that's actually three questions. You fucker. <laughs> a, little sneaky, bonus question. a, a little sneaky one there. <laughs> yeah. How do you think the sort of globalization of the world has changed the ways fighters develop across regions and countries? Yeah, we kind of touched upon some of this stuff, so yeah. I guess we can yeah but, but provide a short be, answer right now, and it would be cool like... to
1: it would be cool to to touch on that one for a <clears throat> full full length because yeah. it's it's a very good topic. Maybe we can bring someone else. Uh, yeah, but it, I think it's it's a very cool topic, especially for both of us that come from like such different places in the world that it different still has in the world and it's like fucking that have some, up nowhere. Yeah, but <laughs> but still have some similarities. Like but yeah, uh, let's uh answer the first one. Uh indicators yeah. of a good defensive fighter in MMA, I think the most uh like the thing that has changed about about defense in MMA is that it's all about layers. It's like mm. You gotta have like different layers of defense. That's and and you have and layers, but not also layers. Not only layers, but also like having a a system to defend yourself. And I think that's that's what's been changing. We've seen a lot of fighters having like cohesive defensive systems uh, nowadays. It's still a long way to go, but it's very different now that it used to be. I think uh, especially when it comes to to having like defense that lends itself to defend uh both wrestling and and striking yeah and it also having... allows
0: you to come up with counters once you defend yeah
1: i think the the layers of defense <clears throat> if you wanted to describe it in a way uh first you have distance that's your, always your fifth layer of defense if you're not there to be hit then you're evading an attack then you have a, like a static movement that is when you evade staying in your place uh head movement is uh obviously the most of it accounts for most of that but also like lifting your leg and let like a leg kick like pass through uh so evading like movement that is on on the place then you have like paring and deflecting that is when you take a strike and you redirect the energy somewhere else then you have uh blocking that is like the your last like layer of defense that is when you brace yourself and cover uh the the important parts of you with for example you block your head here with your elbow you block your ribs with your elbow you check a kick all of that is blocking and then you have like the the counters and reactive takedowns and all the kind of stuff that it's also defense in a way but incorporates a little bit of uh clinch
0: tying up that, yeah, clinch tying up it.
1: especially. Yeah, and also you need like defense, obviously, in the clinch in wrestling scrambles. But, but yeah, and and a system is that you're all always aware of what layer is being invaded, and you have like options to move from there. Like, okay, this guy close on me, so distance is not a layer of defense that I have available anymore. So what do I do now? Can I move my head? Yes or no? Can I block? Can I parry? And. And you have like movements that you can chain together in a way that doesn't leave you out of position and therefore exposing your defense. I think that's uh, if you can put that together into a light. Like, I think that makes sense. You're a good defensive fighter in MMA. And I think yeah. that the evolution has been uh, very big in the uh, in the last decade or so. I think uh, fighters in MMA were very reliant. Uh, one in defense, one thing that was it was very like like very distinctive of of mma uh, b- many years ago was that fighters who, uh, were bailing out of exchanges all the fucking time it still happens more than in other sports especially because there's more there's more dangers to be to be aware of in mma but but yeah i think we see more fighters like staying the ground and defending in place instead of just like going back we see more like p- pivots and stuff like that and and also like we've seen a lot of evolution in head movement uh, in more active ways of blocking, uh, not just like the static high guard. So, yeah, I think it's been very interesting.
0: Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> to just reinforce your points, like used to be, because in MMA you have to like account for so many threats, people just stood way the fuck back. Uh, to in order to kind of like give themselves space and give themselves time to react. And it used to be, it's like you said, people would bail out of exchanges. And uh, so uh, I, my answer would have been uh, to just, if a fighter does not just rely on distance to defend themselves, that's probably already a hint that they're pretty competent at def- the defensive reactions. At least they're functional. They're not just... Uh, doing a Gustafson every time you move forward, <laughs> like uh, just jumping like five feet backwards, just because he threw a jab—that's that's a good hint. And then like having cover-ups and all those those layers basically covered everything. Uh, the one thing that I would like to add is like if um, it's already like a sign of an elite fighter uh, having all those layers in terms of def- defense, but also if you can find offense. Uh, throughout those layers, that's uh, just just that, that. already shows that you yeah, sure. something. There's something there, something special about you, especially in MMA uh, in uh, these days. But uh, hoping that becomes the baseline because uh, with guys like Volkanovski and uh, like uh, Jose Aldo and all those uh, other Piotr super elites, yeah, yeah, Piotr Jan, uh if they become the baseline for how you gauge elite fighters, I think uh, there's lots of growth to be had in the sport. And uh, right now, because because right now, if you look at MMA, like uh, A-tier MMA is like, there's nothing else like it. B-tier MMA is already kind of, uh, Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: you're already kind of like looking at some like wonkiness, looking at gaps there in skill sets. Because like compared to other sports, like in boxing, a tier boxing is obviously really good. Uh, B tier boxing is still okay. Yeah, because uh, they
1: have they have systems. <laughs> they yeah. they know how to teach that shit, and that's I think that's a, a big problem for defense in MMA. Is that a lot of coaches do not have well established teaching systems to make the uh, when it comes to, like fighters from Cuba and Russia, like they all have like very structured systems to learn how to box, and that's why their defense is so good. And I'm pretty sure in America it's the same. So. And that's one thing that is lacking in MMA. I'm pretty sure a lo- there's a few good coaches in MMA that have good, good like laid-out systems for defense and how to teach it. Because you can have a good defensive system, and that does not mean you can teach that shit. Yes, like
0: maybe, it, maybe
1: Jose Aldo cannot teach you how to defend. Yeah, like, it's different skill know. sets.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, knowing a skill and uh, knowing how to teach a skill is like completely different things
1: yeah i think uh, the 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 level is getting a lot higher especially in lower divisions uh for example in in bantamweight you see like unranked fighters moving their head parrying uh countering a lot more like it's the evolution has been amazing in the lower weight classes uh higher weight classes are are moving along a a little bit on the slower side but you see some guys getting better uh, so it's it's promising it's promising defense is one thing that it's that it's like getting more
0: and more fun to watch in MMA I would say yeah and uh, beyond that better defense leads to more exchanges which makes it the fights more fun to watch exactly uh, yeah <laughs> guys are more comfortable staying in there staying in the kitchen throwing shots okay so uh, do we try and cover uh, the second question Or do we... I think we should actually do a podcast Yeah. uh, I'm
1: I'm, I'm very interested in the topic, to be
0: honest. Yeah. So, yeah. But but
1: also, I I would like to do some
0: research, too. Like, I think it it would be better. (laughs) Actually, like, having some basis to our claims. So we need to prepare for it. So I guess, yeah, stay tuned for the podcast that deals with globalization in in MMA and... uh, uh cultural roots uh as uh as a factor in growth of mma <clears throat> but yeah all your questions have been great this was great i i had a lot of fun
1: i hope pe- people like our answers <laughs> yeah I- <laughs> do you imagine I- if
0: everyone was like oh that podcast fucking sucks <laughs> what the fuck is this bullshit <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't fucking understand that single si- a single thing they're saying these foreigners <laughs> no, like this is this is not true <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> where where the fuck is daniel martin like i mean we we're we kind of outlasted them by a while now we, we've been producing more stuff than them yeah. in the last couple of years so if, if if there are people who say that uh, we can, I can, I think we can safely disregard them and find where they live, kick their ass, uh, steal their belongings, and, uh, and their steal food, their especially ID, especially their food. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and especially their food, their credit card, and purchase a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, anyway, uh, before we devolve into like random crap, I guess. Uh, you know what's thinking it's about. about- do you know what's the yeah. best part about making a a Patreon podcast? You do not need to tell people to subscribe to your Patreon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but actually, I'm again, like kind of thinking that maybe we can release this episode as uh, like publicly, and then uh the next ones. I, like this is, this is yeah thing. yeah. So, Every, so people, ever, so people yeah, know everything what to we do. what to expect. Yeah. yeah. Everything we do is like on the fly we never planned the shit out <laughs> so you, you, the, which, over, which are... the overhaul was a lie there's no overhaul there's no overhaul <laughs> there's, there's no fucking overhaul we're not playing anything we're just kind of like making it up as we go along <laughs> but yeah actually uh, genuinely we are planning uh, a new yeah. we reworked the tiers the patreon tiers and you can check them out on our patreon page obviously and we're planning to launch a co-fi like you, you will be able to make commissions, actual, honest to goodness commissions. If you, if you are interested in a topic that's uh, you've never seen being examined before, or maybe it has been examined but not in the way you want it to, you will be able to go to our Ko-Fi page, uh, pay a flat fee, and uh, we'll give you. A, you'll give us a, a deadline, and we'll give you an honest estimation of how quickly we can make this. And we'll fulfill the commission to the best of our ability. And we're going to release that stuff publicly, not paywalled. It's just going to be a commission. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's going to be our system from now on. We'll still obviously re- release stuff like, uh, you know, or out of ent- enthusiasm. So it's not going to be...
1: Yeah, it's not going to be everything commission. But- but yeah, mm-hmm. it's going it's 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 going to be good to give back to the people that have been supporting us, and and having like a more structured way to fulfill their their wishes. So yeah, it's gonna because be it more just... more fair. Yeah, or or all patron system was broken. I think we all know that by now, and we're trying to to make everyone right with this one.
0: Yeah, we're trying to turn everyone into a right wing nut with our content. <laughs> Okay, so um I guess that's it. Uh see you on the next one. This um uh the next episode. I don't know if it's gonna be me or Fenyu. Probably honestly, probably it will be maybe someone else, yeah. but probably both of us. Yeah, are <laughs> gonna receive shoot us more questions, subscribe to the Patreon, and get into the Discord. It's uh our Biggest selling point these days, like lots of cool people in there, lots of very smart people. Judge, like obviously, as you can see in the questions, like very curious Um, uh, people who wish to be intellectually stimulated and all that. Maybe even sexually stimulated in some ways. I'm not (laughs) opposed (laughs) to that. To become a Discord kitten by paying five bucks. become a disco <laughs> daddy <laughs> okay okay so before i say any more incriminating shit <laughs> stay tuned for the co uh, fi launch and stay tuned for more content mm-hmm. and uh yeah this has been great looking forward to more questions from our subscribers if you haven't uh, used the opportunity to shoot us a question and you and uh, you have something in mind and uh, if this prompted you to come up with another question feel free we'll make another announcement for for a different podcast um also in a give of weeks. us
1: give us feedback about this podcast did you guys like it um if you have like any like follow up questions that you want to talk with any of us you can always dm us on discord we are always available for you guys i mean not always but, but we're going <laughs> to try to to reach back to you guys we can always chat if you want to talk about anything like yeah. obviously it, it is cool to have these discussions like in a podcast because everyone gets to to listen and we can get yeah, like a, a feedback loop going on but if you guys want to talk like we're there to talk like we're we, we may be bad people but
0: not in that way <laughs> uh what are we gonna fucking call this thing the patreon <laughs> podcast <I haven't> been... <laughs> <laughs> the fight side patreon podcast,
1: like, like, i think like Christian and Spencer those guys like have great names for their podcast, <laughs> and I'm yeah. just the piece of shit that is like the preview podcast.
0: <laughs> I mean, at least I have Tangry though. Yeah, yeah, it, you it, have to.
1: Yeah, I'm, <laughs> the, I'm the boring name. <laughs> the boring. The rest name, is guys. just
0: the Fightside MMA podcast, the Fightsite <laughs> Preview <laughs> podcast.
1: Okay, uh, I'm uh, I'm gonna uh, retitle the the previews as the Suck My Dick podcast. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that,
0: that's that's a great name. Uh, excellent name anyway thanks everyone for your questions uh i think it's enough of that bullshit. before before we keep talking on before we say any more crap let's end this okay bye goodbye